Three, two, one. Buffalo Bills traveling to San Francisco. Buffalo has lost four straight games on Monday night. Uh, it's been rough, and the 49ers have been really good lately. I'm going to say that Josh Allen is going to have four or more total touchdowns in this game in a victory for the Buffalo Bills. Pretty sure that happened. It did happen. Oh, yeah, on the board. I will say I didn't expect four t- like passing touchdowns, but... Um, I thought it might be like three passing and a rushing and something like that, but it was pretty cool. My first friend's fortune in well over a year. (laughs) See? See what happens when you don't do something so outrageous and silly? Quarterback throwing four touchdowns. That's a a quarterback like Josh Allen. Very, very realistic. Hey. uh... You, You did what you needed to do. Proud of you. Sometimes I'm an outrageous person. You know, but that that's a good one. That was a good one for your team, so. It felt good. It did feel good. Um, obviously, and you had mentioned during the game, too, like, we, we a lot of us would have liked to see them at full strength, the 49ers, that is, uh, to really see what that matchup would have been like. Um, but it was still cool. I mean, the 49ers are still in top 10 in defense, so it was still a good uh, test, I think, for our team as well. But, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was a good night. Good. Well, guys, welcome to Simultaneous Catch. I'm Adam Jeffrey Rossi. My name is Josh Lapping. And we're happy to have Josh back to the show. And if you're listening right now, please stop, give a round of applause, and text my man Josh that you're proud of him and that you love him because he's officially finished his Masters. Uh, How awesome. Thanks, bud. I, I know that we've talked about it a lot, um, but I just I can't get over it. I think it's so, you should be so proud of yourself. And it's super awesome. Oh, buddy. Yeah. I just, I, I really can't get over it because I can't imagine doing all the work that you had to do for that. Thanks, man. Yeah. It feels good. So, uh, moving on to the next chapter now. That's all we can do, right? Got to Ab- just keep moving forward. So, absolutely. Uh, we got a jam packed show for you this week, guys. Uh, all kinds of stuff happening. We're heading into that last quarter of the season. Four games left for every team now. Bye week's over. Everything's over. It's, Everybody's got four games left, what you got, and there's plenty to talk about in terms of playoff implications, plenty to talk about in terms of fantasy football playoffs starting this week for a lot of leagues. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun, and I think we should just get going right here in a Rant Rave Recall. You got something, my friend? All right, yeah, I do have something. I go. have a rant. Oh, I love it. About, uh, this, this came out during last night's game, I have a rant revolving around Mr. Des Bryant. Oh, so Des yeah. Bryant was there in Baltimore, obviously warming up prior to the game, uh, had a COVID test come back positive, so he did not play as he should not have. But afterwards, he took to Twitter and said, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and call it quits for the rest of the season. I can't deal with this. About an hour later, he said, since I'm out, do you guys want to hear about my businesses I've been working on? And then about a half hour later after that, somebody was like, Dez, just tell us if you're coming back, LOL. And Dez said, Dez said, yeah, I'm coming back, dot, dot, dot. I'm being smart. Okay, so let's, <laughs> let's unpack a lot of those things going on here. First of all, there's, there's so much. First of all, I hate that this even happened. I get it. It's the Dallas Cowboys. This is obviously the team that moved on from him prior to right. him thinking he should have been. I think he right. wanted to always be a part of that 88 club there. He did. In Dallas. And this was an important one for him. 
But Des, you've also been out of football for like two years. You're coming off of an injury. The Ravens gave you a shot a while ago. Then they brought you back uh, again after it didn't work out the first time. So for something like this to happen, that's not even within the team's control. It wasn't like they were like, you know what, you're just not playing that well. We're going to bench you. Right. Like this is a uh, this is a medical thing that's affecting the country. Calm down. And for you to go out and pull antics like this, I I just don't like that. I feel like it, it's not being professional. It's not showing a an ounce of faith or or respect to the organization that took you off the street after after you had a pretty severe injury, especially at the plus age that Des is for the position he plays. And then I'm just also curious about this last tweet that he has where he says, I'm being smart. Is that like smart? Like, I'm being funny. Like, when people like a smart Alec, is it one of those things? Or is like, I'm being smart. Like, I didn't play the game because I had COVID. Is it, is it one of those because, or is like, I said I'm not going to play because of everything going on around? Because nothing about this, in my opinion, was smart. Again, I think it was, he's probably not going to be in Baltimore next year. Is is he going to get another shot after it's already been such a trial for him to get this, which is technically his third shot, I guess, technically. So I, I didn't like this. I feel like for everything that's going on around Des Bryant about his commitment to football and everything, just to get pulled in, in the middle of a pandemic and be like, I'm done. I just don't I don't like that. So, yeah, that uh, that rubbed me the wrong way. And then for him to be like, guys, you want to hear my businesses? <laughs> no, we don't. We don't, Des. Were there any good ones, or did you not look at? <laughs> uh, he did not talk about said businesses unless they were in replies, and I did not oh, did man. not care to go into look at them. Yeah, I, I I mean obviously it was very shocking. I thought I was kind of looking. A lot of people were looking forward to seeing him play against his former team. He was very excited about it. Um, I just I, I I'm with you. Like it's super strange. Um, I just want to say this is why I'm happy that I. Don't have Twitter anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, this is a this is a, this is a perfect example of why Twitter is terrible and why it's toxic and it gives people a megaphone at times when they shouldn't have one. Like Des Bryant was very very emotional about this. Clearly, he was very upset and he let himself pick up his phone and throw it out into the universe instead of just like calming down for a second. You know what I mean? And like I said, there's just better self control than exact, that. I feel like, exactly. Yeah, I mean, platforms like Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever are out there. But I don't blame the platform necessarily for that. You just well, have no, to... I'm not. I'm not blaming. No, 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 no. Sorry, I, I'm agreeing with you first. But then I'm also saying that if you don't have that avenue, then you can sit back for a second and calm down and take a breath and f- you figure yourself out. I mean, like, I, I, I'm not seriously going to sit here and say that I wouldn't have been as upset as he was because I would be. If I were in his situation, I would have been that upset. But you have you have to know better than to go on this thing that everybody's going to see. And it got reported in the middle of the game. They read his tweets in the middle of the game. That's how quick it was. It's just, uh, I mean, we'll see what happens. I don't think, I, I, I mean, I he'll probably play still for Baltimore the rest of the season. And, I mean, he hasn't really been, he's only played in a couple of games, I think. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he's been in a couple of games. He's only he has four up. catches. I was going to so say, so it's not like he's being this world yeah, like beater for the team anyway. Superstar. So, so we'll see what happens. But I'm with you. I, I, uh, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, don't love it. Yeah, so there we go. Des Bryant, you just got ranted on. 
<laughs> ranting on. All right. So I have a rave uh, about two teams, and I'm going to rave about the two NFC East teams that had major upsets this weekend. Oh, yeah. I'm going to rave about the New York football giants and the Washington football team. Now, these two teams have been really good in the last chunk of the season here so far. Um Looking at the New York Giants, they've won four straight now. They're five and two in their last seven games, and two of those losses came by a combined three points. So the people are saying, you know, the, the upset. And it, it was a huge upset. I mean, major. Nobody picked the Giants, right? Um, but they've been playing really good football for the last seven games, for the last chunk of this season, and they're allowing 19 points per game the last five games. I mean, this defense is really good. And we're looking at um, the stats in the season. Both of these teams are in the top 10 of defense. Washington's at number 8. New York's at number 9. And looking at more, uh, I have advanced stats here for the defenses here. So... In quarterback knockdowns, this means that the quarterback gets knocked down during the throw or as he's throwing. The New York Giants lead the league in this category with 50 times. So they are all over posing quarterbacks. And uh, Washington's up in this list as well. They are just both teams. They're they're buying into what their coaches are are preaching to new head coaches that didn't have an offseason. Uh, two guys, we, I, don't, I don't know. I forget where we landed in terms of like what you thought versus what I thought about Joe Judge. Uh, I was iffy, but, like, I still liked the hire. And I, 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 it seemed like a – especially watching the, the the press conference and how he spoke about how he wanted to work his team, I, I liked the vibe of, of the man. Obviously, we didn't know a lot about him other than he was from the Patriots staff. But regardless, like, I, I liked both coaches coming in. But I think a lot of us thought they're not going to have an offseason. They're not going to be able to just instill their uh, program the way they want to. So maybe it's too early. And – I mean, it still is a little too early. I mean, they're both 5-7 and seven right now. Um, in any other division, they would not be in contention. You know what I mean? Right. But because of this, they are. And both teams playing very well. And, and, and it's just it's a testament to why the NFL is such a coach, coaches league versus a league like the NBA, which is a players league, which is give LeBron any coach and he can win a title. You know? But you can't give... Uh, any NFL quarterback, any NFL coach would be like, all right, they're just going to win. Um, I don't think I, – I think there are a few players, and a few, like a few quarterbacks and a few players that are going to be great no matter what they do. But the rest of them need coaching. It's such a team sport. It's, that's why people call it the ultimate team sport. And right now, Ron Rivera and Joe Judge have the, both these teams believing that they're greater than the sum of their parts. And if you dig into it, their parts are actually even better than people would think. Uh, I mean, Washington's front seven is ferocious. Uh, we saw what they did to the Steelers all day uh, on on Monday. It was a gross game for for most of it, uh, and there obviously there were you know some sparks later in the game, but mostly it was just a grinded out goal line defense type of type of day, and um, it was so fascinating to watch them just totally. You know, it was weird that there were times where they completely controlled the offensive line of the of the of Pittsburgh Steelers, and then they figured out, look, the Steelers are a quick passing game, get yards after the catch. Now there were seven dropped passes, which is crazy. Like that's not Pittsburgh's need to get that under control, but Washington handled them, and the New York Giants handled Seattle. It was it was it, it was 
super shocking and somebody bet 10 bucks on that parlay and won a lot of money <laughs> um so i just i, I want to give a shout out to both these coaches and organizations they uh and i really think and especially like i love washington and obviously we have a fun little soda bet on it and that's fun for us but like i really also i, I really want us to appreciate and and this is going to hinge on what happens if Dave, if Daniel Jones continues to grow. But we've clowned on David Dave Gettleman a lot. Everybody in sports media has clowned Dave Gettleman for what he's done and thinking that he's silly. But he had a great draft this year. It seems like trading Odell was the right thing to do. Daniel Jones is looking better every week. Right now it looks like they have a roster and a coach that is ready to, to start winning some big games in the next couple of years. So I want to give props to them, that organization, as well as the Washington as well. Okay, yeah, I agree so, with most of that. I don't know if I, yeah. I love the Gettleman stuff. but Right, yeah. well, no, uh, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that, oh, yeah, let's flip the switch and say Gettleman's a genius because I'm not ready to say that yet. I'm just saying that, like, He's been clowned for a long time, and maybe we just like pause for a second because they have a pretty good roster. I'm all about <clears throat> Joe Judge. I'm very yeah, much a believer. Uh, I feel really good about the state of that franchise moving forward. So, yeah, very, very well deserved rave for those two franchises. Absolutely. All right, let's get into our news and notes for the week, heading into week 15. Uh, talking, yeah, yeah, talking about that undefeated team that went down against the Washington Football Giants. The Pittsburgh Steelers go down to Washington. What was it? Twenty-three to seventeen was the final score, I think, or 23 20, eh, It was something like that. <laughs> they needed a touchdown at the end. The Washington Football Giants. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> if you combine those two teams, they would be undefeated. Uh, yeah. So Alex Smith gets it done. With this team, Antonio Gibson went down early, and I thought that was gonna. I thought I really thought that was gonna drown the team. Interesting. I, and I and I'm not saying that the key to this winning this game was running the football because obviously Pittsburgh's such a great run defense. But I thought losing a guy that that's that important to the team on the like it wasn't his first carry that he went down. It was very very. I mean, early. it was it was way, it wasn't his first. It was his second. Um, as I continue to ramble and mumble in all my sentences today, I. I really thought that that was going to be a blow that that knocked them over, and they were down seventeen to three at halftime, and they outscored them the the rest of the way by a large margin and won this game. I mean, there were big plays from young guys like Camp Sims, um, Peyton Barber had a touchdown, Judy McKissick was involved all over the field, uh, really, it, and. We thought this was going to be Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin that would do it, but it was Cam Sims and J.D. McKissick. And Logan Thomas, the former quarterback from Virginia Tech, uh, incredible game. So I I just – it was amazing to watch, and I'm curious what your thoughts and feelings were on this game and Pittsburgh going down. I know you're very much often a proponent of undefeated teams losing a game or two because maybe sometimes it like – galvanizes them a little bit so they're not feeling themselves so much but yeah no i i i think it was obviously fun to see washington win it was fun to see the comeback player of the year and alex smith continuing to be awesome in his time back out on the field i mean tomlin said it himself the team didn't deserve to win they can't they had numerous opportunities to gain a yard and they didn't do it on yeah. multiple occasions right and tomlin himself said when you do that you don't deserve to win we didn't do it we didn't deserve to win Talking about your drops, though, that is really a concerning thing. It wasn't just this game either. Obviously, they had seven, but they do have a league-high 31 this year. 
Uh, he was very, very candid about that, too. He said they can catch the ball or they can get replaced by those who will catch it. Whoa. So, you know, I think this is a I think this is a great thing. Obviously, we've come on and we talked about the Steelers a plethora so of times. times yeah. be, and, and for good reason, too. They were undefeated until this week, which is a huge accomplishment. But we've been applauding Tomlin for saying the right thing, saying... The only thing perfect about us is our record. Obviously, this right. team knows this. Right. They are not anywhere near perfect. And the last handful of weeks, they have not played like an undefeated team. But I think this is a thing that a lot of players, if they were thinking that they were hot stuff, this is a, oh, dang, we're not. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to take that extra second to make sure our hands are on the ball before we look up the field to try to gain that extra two or three yards Go right. back to fundamental football. And, and let's not act, this is a team, and I don't know what this is going to do moving down yeah. down the, the stretch. They have here, a lot of tough a, games coming up. They up. have a lot of tough games, but this is a game they've just lost to Pre the week before. Spillane got injured. Yeah. James Conner wasn't playing. This was right. a team that was pretty beat up. Yep. And that's not that's not an excuse, obviously. Right, I mean, every team's beat up. Every team's yeah. beat up. Every team's playing with players on the COVID list and whatnot. But... This this isn't a shocking thing, and I I hate all these things, and it's just I I mean it's fun to rag on the team that's undefeated and that like yeah. loses, but everyone's like you lost to a team without it's so a, reactionary. A, a team like yeah. who cares? I mean so Washington's a really good team. They are. <laughs> so they're I I don't really care one way or another that they lost. Like I obviously didn't want to see them go undefeated because I just don't think that's fun. But yeah, I, I I'm not overly concerned about this. Honestly, I'm not. They're going to get. Marquise Pouncey back probably this week. I think, especially in that center position, talking about not having a run game, that's going to be uber important. Their James Conner got activated back off the COVID list, so get a running back back, and he's been uh, a mixed bag. He's still extremely good rusher in the upper half of the league in terms of production so far this year. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, getting those guys back will obviously be helpful going down down the stretch and. You know, I bet those wide receivers, after everything that Tomlin said about the extremity that it is, they're going to be working those jug machines a little, little extra this yeah. week. So maybe Deontay Johnson, who we both love, will yeah uh, capitalize on those opportunities even even more so than he already has. And I don't know if you have this because I had the, the drop stat as well because that's obviously a glaring issue for them. The second team only has 21. So they have 10 more drops wow. than the next closest team. And they had seven in this specific game. So it was their worst game with drops. Uh, but it even happened in the Baltimore game. You saw they let Baltimore hang around in that game because they couldn't corral the football. And so this this Sunday night is a huge game for both teams. For, Very exciting. For different reasons, too. Because Pittsburgh right now just got punched in the jaw How are you, for the first time all year. How are you going to respond? And Buffalo had one of its best games of the year. How do you respond to that success? Yeah. So both teams are really – this is a huge challenge. And, I, like – I watch. I'm gonna say this, and one of the other, one of the teams is gonna blow out the other. But I was like, I don't see a scenario in which this is not a grinded out last possession type of game. I just think both teams have so much to play for, especially with Miami pressing Buffalo. Obviously, I was we were just talking before we went on air. I uh, was going through the playoff predictors, and Miami to win the division has to beat us by one full game because we would have the tiebreaker. Because um, there are I mean, we have two division games left, but so. But they're still they're right behind us, and Pittsburgh losing opens the door for KC for that first 
seed, which is so much more important this season than in years past because only the one seed gets a bye. Right. And, you know, I don't want you to roll your eyes at me or laugh at me because this is not going to happen. But it kind of opens the window for Cleveland a little bit because they still have a matchup <laughs> against them at the end of the season. And if they lose one more game, that's it. They, they can win the tiebreaker and win it. So we'll see what happens for sure. But it's a very important game between two of the top teams in the AFC. Um, but that's I was, interesting. But is that true? What? The whole, I mean, like... If if Pittsburgh is were... Is it not a similar situation to the Miami... I mean... I haven't looked at it exact. I haven't looked at it as closely as I have Miami-Buffalo, obviously. Right, but they've but, also... I mean, the Steelers beat Baltimore twice. The Browns have lost to Pittsburgh and Baltimore. So even if they do give it the same record... If, if, if Cleveland... Cleveland would have to beat Baltimore and then beat Pittsburgh, then they would have the tiebreaker because... It would be tied, and then it would be against common opponents, I think, and Cleveland's beaten Washington. All right. So I think it would come down to like a third or a fourth tiebreaker, but I think that if Cleveland were to beat Baltimore and Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh loses another game, then they would be tied, and I think Cleveland would win. Again, it's not going to happen. I guarantee you, like right now, I'm the Browns guy. Josh and I are famous for our Browns bets (laughs) and all that stuff. I'm not betting that. Please do not put that on me. (laughs) But... Still, it, it still leaves a little bit to be worried about if you're if you're a Steeler fan, but uh, it's not going to happen. I'm just saying it's an important game, <laughs> as every game is, right? Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so let's let's go into this AFC race right here because it's the wild card race on both sides. Actually, has gotten very interesting, especially with the way that Arizona's lost a couple of games here, uh, leaving Minnesota the door open. A one and five team going five and one, and now they're at the seventh seed. Um, but then in the AFC, this wild card race for these last two spots is going to be fascinating. Not only because, because you look at it, and Miami uh, and Indy both have a game up on teams like the Raiders and the Ravens, and then the Patriots are there with six wins. But a lot of these teams play each other to end the right, season. Right. So, like the Indian Raiders play right now, playoff game this Sunday, and then Miami and the Raiders play playoff game in a couple of weeks. Like these teams play each other, so we're getting playoff games in the last four weeks here. And I, I don't want to say I don't remember this because like every year, obviously there are games like this, but I'm, I'm struggling to remember a season where there are so many games because like even in the NFC, Tampa Bay and Vikings playoff game right there this weekend. Like I'm struggling to remember a year where we had so many of these like true you win and you you lose your spot type of games at the end of the year. You know what I mean? Yeah, certainly not this many. Yeah. So let's let, let let's dig into this a little bit. So we like I said, we have right now the seedings in the AFC. Uh, Chiefs are the only team that's clinched, which is hysterical to me. Wait, the, right now I'm looking at this and it says Chiefs are the only team that clinched, and I don't understand how they could have clinched the two the, the two seed and a spot, and Pittsburgh can't have. That's weird to me. Well, it's because no one else can win their division. Okay, okay. So, regardless, the Chiefs are the only team that's clinched, quote-unquote, but Pittsburgh will clinch in the next week or two. Um, and Pittsburgh's at one. Obviously, the Chiefs are at two. Buffalo moved up to three after the Titans' loss, who is now at four. And then the three wild cards right now, Cleveland at nine and three, Miami at eight and four, Indianapolis at eight and four. And then you have the Raiders and the Ravens, both at seven and five, both with huge games this weekend with playoff implications. And then the uh, Patriots are sitting there at six and six, still in the hunt. Though they would have to win out and have a couple of things happen, which 
obviously we've seen that happen before. But <laughs> we have seen it happen uh, before. Yeah. So talk to me about this. Uh, I, I mean, you don't really have to say like how you see it playing out unless you want to, if you feel confident about it. But just what, what teams are you really feeling confident about? Which teams are you like? I just don't see it happening. Um. Yeah. I I do feel pretty confident that Baltimore is going to get back in the dance. I think their schedule is still favorable for them to do so. Obviously, so much depends on on the Monday night game, which is going to be almost everything. Really, really, really exciting. <laughs> um, so I'm excited about that one. I'm not confident that both AFC South teams are going to get in. Okay. So. Well, and that's the other thing is that right now Tennessee's at the four seed, but could flop to the seven at any moment. Very, very. Because easy. you know if they lose the one game, uh, they obviously have the tiebreaker over the Colts because. They're eight and four right now, and they're ahead of them. So if they finish the same record, Tennessee is in as the division winner. Um, but yeah, I mean they have an easy game right this week against the Jags, and the Colts have the tough test against the Raiders. Although the Raiders are a whole other conversation, but right, I just I think it's an element that I don't. We've we've gone back and forth on this team, and some weeks they look completely dominant, control like they're going to win the. The conference, like, they looked completely in control against the Colts two weeks ago, and yeah. I felt so confident in them going into this Cleveland game, and they just make mistake after mistake after yeah. mistake, and yeah. then they can't rebound from that. And the score obviously looked a lot closer than the game was, but yeah. also an element that I didn't necessarily love about Cleveland. Cleveland, the whole story, all the headlines this week is, Baker has a perfect half. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, that's nice, but that's a half, and a mm-hmm. lot can happen in 30 minutes, and, yeah. and it kind of did. Yeah. So there, there are flaws in, in every single one of these teams, which is fun. Um, obviously, as a fan perspective, not being like, this is an absolute lock. We know what's going to happen. Right. So that's exciting from a right. fan point of view. But I'm just I'm, I'm super excited to see what this looks like after this weekend with yeah. obviously so many games that have implications. Mm-hmm. But also just moving forward, I think, as we get into these matchups mm-hmm. and, and these pictures start to develop a little more closely, it's going to be really, really fascinating. Yeah, in Tennessee, so Tennessee's schedule finishing in, they have the Jaguars, the Lions, but then they finish with the Packers, and the Texans in ten- in uh, Houston, which is not an easy game at all. Uh, obviously, Deshaun Watson having his best uh, season. And then the Colts have the Raiders this weekend, huge. The Texans at the Steelers and then home for the Jaguars. So they, I, I would say in terms of difficulty, pretty close. And I will just say, say this about, obviously, they're nowhere near playoff pictures or anything, but let's not count out, let's not just say that the Jags are an easy game. They went down to the That's wire true. against Minnesota. That's they, true. Like last month, they've been playing really, really That's well. True. Going back That's to a Green good Bay, they gave Green Bay fits. Mm-hmm. Cleveland was a two-point game. Yep, you're so, right. You're right. That's once we, especially when we get in those division battles. You never know what could happen. That's for sure. I, I you're, you're absolutely right with that. Um, and uh, they haven't been eliminated from playoff contention, so they could <laughs> <laughs> They're still playing for something. <laughs> Um, all right, uh, where what was I? I? Lost my notes for a second. Sorry. Uh, all right, so that leads us to the question that I want to ask you because okay. I did my for people who listened last week. I did my top ten teams uh, in the NFL, and you know, only two of them I feel. Oh God, not... are you making me do a power ranking? No, I'm not. No, 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 no. Only only two of them I think I would pull out of the top ten. So I still feel pretty confident about eight of the ten. But I'm just 
I want to know what your top one or two teams are right now. Like, because obviously, like I said, last show, I talked about it. I went on a little bit about it for a couple of teams. So people know where I stand on most of the teams. But I'm just curious, like, if somebody asks you, who are the who are the best two teams right now, or the best three teams in the NFL right now, if you are having a trouble between a couple of them. I just, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Ooh, this is, this is super fascinating. Yeah. Um... I don't know if I have anything that's uber unique. I okay. feel like probably a lot of the consensus top five are locked in. Right. Uh, definitely the Chiefs are number one for okay. me. Probably okay. followed by the Saints. And then okay. I'd say that number three is Green Bay, in my okay. opinion. I agree with that. I actually, in some in some cases, you go ahead. I'll, I'll hop in in a second. Well, I'm just really and I'm fascinated to see about this New Orleans Saints team. Obviously, they are playing extremely well right now, and the whole Sean Payton quarterback whisper making Taysom Hill great and yeah. was able to do the same thing with Teddy when Drew went down, and they've yeah. won nine straight. I'm just Drew Brees is targeting a Week 15 return, so we're not going to see him this week, but maybe the week after. I'm just really kind of curious. Get ready for this if that's a good thing. Obviously before, yeah. Obviously before yeah. Drew went down, he was not Drew Brees. It was the the dump off king, and Alvin Kamara was feasting on, on everything. And obviously Taysom Hill has slowed down uh, Alvin Kamara in some way. He did have a good game last week, but at least when you have Taysom Hill out on the field, you have the element of of the running quarterback game. And he has come on. He did have his best game as a passer last week. Finally got to have that passing touchdown checked off uh, since he's been starting and whatnot. But I'm really just going to be fascinated. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't feel overly confident this week against Philadelphia with Drew Brees. Drew Brees does not perform the same outside the dome, especially you can get in cold weather like you're going to have in Philadelphia. I and feel really good about it being Taysom, but if Drew, I'd be like, eh, it's a little more dicey. Philly's the number two team in sacks this year. Think about that. So... <laughs> So uh, I'm just going to be really fascinated. That's the that's the, the kind of the question mark I have yeah. on the Saints being number two because if we go back, they they've won nine straight, and obviously Drew Brees is a part of that. But early on in the the season when they were struggling, they were like what they were one and two. That was yeah. during Drew Brees, and everyone's like, "What's wrong with Drew Brees? Right. What's happening?" If some, mm-hmm. if some defenses can get that performance again, can rattle them. We've seen that they're completely beautiful. yeah, and I. I I'm, I'm see I'm, I agree with everything that you said because this is what I said last week. I think I had New Orleans at like five or six. Okay. I had them lower because I said like like I said I love this team. I love Sean Payton, and I talked about that. I love that we weren't lied about about Taysom Hill. Okay. Because remember we talked about this. On, we I think it was one afternoon we were on the couch and you were like, if they're gonna start Jameis, I'm gonna be upset because Sean Payton's been blowing smoke out of our behinds for years now that Taysom Hill's the Steve future. Young, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's the guy. They signed up this contract and they went with him. And I love that we weren't lied about that. But it, he's played great. Like I don't we I love Taysom Hill. And but if you ask me today in an NFC title game, can he go into Green Bay and beat Green Bay, I don't know the answer to that. And in the playoffs, sometimes that's all it takes. If you don't if you can't definitively say yes to that question, that's how you lose. In the NFL it's that close. And then, I love that you brought up the Drew Brees thing. Drew, last time we saw Drew Brees, he did not look very good. So, I, I'm worried that, like, they go back to Drew Brees and it looks bad. And this is why, and I'll mention this as well, is that this feels very 2014-2015 Peyton Manning-Denver Broncos. Where yeah. Brock came in and he won, I think it was like 5-2 and two or 5-1, or, or, or and one, something like that. And they were rolling and all of a sudden they were like, let's throw Peyton back in. And Peyton looked bad. 
pretty much the whole playoff run. Was not pretty. And then their defense carried them through that Super Bowl against Carolina, which is fine. I mean, like... It's very possible the Saints' defense is great. Exactly. It's possible so, for the, the script to be very similar. And that's the, that's the point I want to make about the New Orleans defense. And uh, I was, it was funny because I had this written down. And I heard, I mean, I heard this on a, on a show earlier this week. And then I was just watching a video that said the thing again. So New Orleans is allowing 4.2 yards per play. Okay? That's the best in the NFL. The Jets are gaining 4.7 yards per play. So the New Orleans defense makes opposing offenses worse than the New York Jets. That's how good they are. So, yeah, that could be the formula to win, which is crazy in a year. Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be so poetic if in the year of offense where everybody's breaking records and it's the highest scoring lead by, year by far in NFL history that the team that would win it all would be the team that said, "No, you're not going to get anything." It would be pretty awesome, but yeah. so I have those same concerns about New Orleans. But I like the reason why I'm holding off on pounding the table about the concerns. In two weeks, they play the Kansas City Chiefs, so we get to see how they would stack up against a possible I Super Bowl matchup. Didn't even realize that, and that's week really fif- really cool. Week fifteen, I think it's Sunday Night Football. It's on Sunday. The, the it's in New Orleans, the Kansas City Chiefs. That that's the matchup right there. Maybe that's why Drew's targeting that that week to come back. We'll see if it's him or if it's Taysom, but we get to see it. That will be awesome. We we get to see that matchup. So, uh, and if they were to win that matchup, I would have no qualms being like, yeah, they're the best team in the NFL because they really are complete in that way. Sure. Um, and I love I love Green Bay. And I think that I would pick Green Bay against a lot of teams in the playoffs, but we have to know which Green Bay is going to show up because we've seen them get punched by Tampa Bay. Obviously, uh, Minnesota ran all over them in that matchup. Uh, what's their other loss? The Colts, right? The Colts, yeah. That, that was a good game, and then all of a sudden the Colts, they let the Colts get back in it. So there are concerns with consistency about the Packers, but – I would still pick the Packers against almost anybody in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I absolutely hear what you're saying. And, and it, it's difficult because it's Philadelphia and there's so many issues right. going on there right. revolving around their offensive line and whatnot. But there was a team meeting that team captain, defensive guys, Adarian Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, went to Petten before the game. They said, let us just play some simple defense. Yeah. And it, and it resulted in one of the best defensive showings. They had six sacks, uh, pressured the quarterback, had some turnovers, mm-hmm. and obviously you have to take it all with a grain of salt because that's right. been the pension that's been what right. Philadelphia's been this year. But I think when guys like that can say, like, hey, like let's tone this down, like let us do our thing, if they stop trying to be overly fancy and just go right. back to that, then I think – we could see a semblance of a flip switch. Right. So switch and, flip. So. Yeah. And, I mean, the offense is great. You have probably the MVP. So we've talked about this, and I said on the show literally last week that it, it was close, but Patrick Mahomes is still my MVP. After this weekend, it's Aaron Rodgers for me very, okay. very clearly. And I want to point this out. And, again, like, sometimes I get kind of annoyed when people do the whole who has less – kind of thing sometimes i get annoyed with that but for the most part i think it's a good point to make so Tavon austin i think had two catches at the, at the end of the game there i don't even i don't remember that so i i heard i heard i heard that Tavon austin had at least one of them and that it's the first time in aaron Rodgers' entire career that a first round drafted receiver caught a pass from him <laughs> and it was Tavon austin 
it, does that not blow your mind? I know we talked about in the offseason about his only first-round, like, offensive player to do was Mercedes Lewis. Right. You know what I mean? But, like, first-round receiver, the first catch ever. He's 37 years – or, or Aaron Rodgers is 37 years old, and that was his first pass to a first-round receiver. This is, it, it's mind-boggling what this man does. And, obviously, Devontae Adams, we talked about, we think he's the best receiver in the NFL right now. And that's all well and good, but, like – there, it's just it's it's marveling what Aaron Rodgers has done this season, and I really think, especially after this weekend, that if I had a vote, I would confidently be like Aaron Rodgers, punch it. All right, because and we'll see what happens again in the, in the rest of the season. Um, Casey, uh, obviously, Casey has the matchup with the Saints to end the season. Um, they have the Dolphins matchup this weekend, which is yeah, again, I, people are talking about that's a tough matchup for the Dolphins. It's a tough matchup for the Kansas City Chiefs. The Dolphins are a really good football team. Uh, so they have the Dolphins and the Saints in the next two weeks. So we'll, we'll learn a lot about them. Uh, the Packers' toughest matchup remaining is obviously the Titans game uh, on the Sunday. And then they have a, a bunch of division games to finish the season. So we'll see what happens. But I really think that, especially with his performance this weekend, um, I think that he's in the conversation for sure, not just between two guys sitting in their apartment talking about MVP. I think that <laughs> like nationally people are like, hold on, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, well, <laughs> I've been pounding that one for a while. Was it so. your pre- – no, you said Tom Brady. We talked about this. I did. We've talked about this a couple of times. Aaron Rodgers <laughs> two years ago. Right. So. Uh, all right, cool. I think that was – oh, yeah. So uh, one last little notes thing before we can do Josh's favorite thing and talk about power rankings. <laughs> um Let's talk about these coach firings, right? We were talking about this the other day. Where there's there's only three openings right now in Atlanta, Detroit, and Houston. Uh, all three of which also have GM openings, I think. Yes? Yes. Yes, all three of which also have GM openings. So cleaning house. Uh, and we talked about it. So uh, whether you want to talk about, you know, who should fill those spots or how you feel about those jobs um, or – or more interestingly, which more openings do you think will happen? I mean, I, I we expect them to be more, not just three. That would probably be the lowest in a very long time. In a while, yeah. Um, but, yeah, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I really don't know right now to hypothesize who's going to be going where and, and what happens with those things. Obviously, sometimes those things are so impacted just by by playoff teams. And, right. People want coaches from those teams, but they don't want to wait until they're right. out, so they hire other people and, right. and whatnot. So it's hard to hypothesize like that, in my opinion, right now. You can obviously just float around names, but right. what does that really mean? Sure. Um, so I I feel I feel like the writing's pretty much on the wall for Anthony Lynn. Yeah, in, I mean, especially the, in the LA. way you lose last week, getting yeah, so outclassed get, in every way. Every way, 45 to 0. Um, tough. But he so... The record as a whole isn't really that bad, but he started out hot, and then they had the playoff year where they mm-hmm. they did really well. But he is eight and twenty since twenty eighteen, so the last Tough. year and three fourths have been pretty not good. Uh, but more importantly, and we talked about it so many times, and we we just make jokes, but they're three and sixteen in one score games throughout the course of his head coaching career, which is just just not good. Ian Rapoport did come out uh, on on Sunday after the game and said that uh, the Chargers organization has 
a tremendous amount of respect for Anthony Lind. They always have, and they prefer to evaluate everything at the end of the year. That's fair. So, not going to get rid of him. I, But I truly do feel like that is a sign of respect, not ousting him early. Right. But probably going to move in a different direction after the year. And I will say this. If you watched Hard Knocks, uh, which I did, Anthony Lynn, and obviously, like, he was in Buffalo for a while. Anthony Lynn's a great human. He's a great man. He's a wonderful human being. And I think he is a very good offensive mind. He just may not be head coach material. And that's okay. A lot of guys aren't. Yeah. There's, there, there are very few. There's only 32 of these jobs in the world. So if Anthony Lynn loses his job, he will be the offensive coordinator for a team next season. And I expect him to be very good at it. Yeah, I, so, I agree. So, and it's hard. It's it's obviously it's very hard when an organization likes you, and I'm sure a lot of the players love Anthony Lynn, but that doesn't always mean that he's the guy to get the job done, and that's that's okay. Right. I think it's <laughs> I think it's those reasons that he's still there. Yeah, and and you put this in contrast to a, an organization like the. This is why, this is why the Lions fire Matt Patricia and the Chargers say let's wait. None of the players liked Matt Patricia. They all came out and said it. They all came out and said it after he left. They were like, okay, finally. There were players that came out and said that. Nobody's going to say that when and if Anthony Lynn loses his job. They're going to be like, thank you for all that you did. We, we, we appreciate you. And then they'll move on to the next person. And that's fine. But that's what, that's what makes this hard. And that's the hard part of this business is good people lose jobs because they're not performing. And you, like you said, he started off very hot. They were, I, didn't they? Didn't they go twelve and four in his first season? I don't know if it was his first season or his second season. It was this because I feel like the first season was one of those things where like they had like everything go wrong. I was gonna say they, like, but that second season was the one on that Thursday night finale where they beat the Chiefs, going for two, and they only lost that division on a tiebreaker. So I mean, he obviously has had good moments in his coaching career, and he's still. I feel like he's in his forties. I think he's a younger guy in terms he's of old. in terms of head coaching. So he probably and possibly could get another opportunity down the line to be a head coach, but sometimes it just doesn't. Anthony Lynn is 51. Well, he certainly looks great. <laughs> um, but and obviously that actually is still kind of young in terms of head coaching in the NFL. We're talking about yeah, we've got he, a couple of 70-year-old coaches. Now, so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. He also looks good. He does look good. <laughs> But yeah. So what uh, what name are you throwing out there? Yeah, so I actually think Doug Marone loses his job. Well, they did get rid of their GM. I was going to say so like I think that kind of halfway. And I don't there. know, and I don't know. It's just the reason I'm saying it is cuz I don't I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this. You know what I mean? Okay. Like I haven't heard a lot of people say like Jacksonville's going to clean house because they had obviously an exodus of players in the last year and a half to build the draft capital. And they had a big draft this year. I think they had over 10 picks in this draft. They're going to have 10 again in this next coming draft. So, and people are tying them to either Lawrence or Fields or maybe Trey Adams if they fall off and win a game or two here. Um, Weird to say if they fall off and win. But uh, I just, I think that Doug Rhodes is an interesting case study. I obviously have like personal aspirations against him, (laughs) aversions to him because of how he left Buffalo. Uh, A lot of Buffalo fans felt abandoned by a guy that we really loved. Um, obviously, I mean, for those of you who don't know, he uh, led us to our first winning season in like forever. Uh, we were nine and seven, just missed the playoffs by a, like a half of a game, and he opted out of his contract and just left. Decided he didn't want to be a part of the organization anymore. So a lot of Bills fans do not have a lot of love for Doug Marone. I mean, 
he's had some success in his career. Obviously, he was the head coach of the leading them to the AFC title game against the Patriots with like Bortles. So like he's had he's had success in his career. But I really think that he will probably lose his job. Probably on I, I think he'll finish out the year. And I think on that Black Monday that we all talk about, he'll be one of the coaches that gets let go. It's very interesting. I don't know if I see that happening. Okay. I would completely, yeah. completely understand yeah. if it did. But I feel like it's pretty weird and atypical for if they were going to clean house. For just the GM. For it to be like, you're going to go, and then three weeks from now, you're gone too. <laughs> and I think it's... Kind of standing back to we. I just kind of gave Jacksonville a shout out, saying like the last month they've been playing, in my opinion, well above their talent. They have been playing better. That is and true. I That's think, a good point. I think the team probably just really likes Marone, or else I feel like they would have just been like, you know what, this isn't working. We're getting mm-hmm. rid of everybody. And we, I don't really. I don't I actually honestly don't have much else to add to that. That's a good point. I I I um, I think they. I like when. You lose. I, I like when you are cleaning house and like starting over and rebuilding it. That you just bring in a coach and GM together at the same time, so they can have the vision together. I think that that has. Shown I agree. I think that's more typically uh, successful. Right. So, so, so I don't have much more to add to that. I will say, and we mentioned this the other day, the one sneaky one to watch is Chicago. Yes, that is I, the one that, that, that is, is written on on my board here, <laughs> Matt Nagy. Uh, I, I pitched that the other night, and you were like, no. Well, I mean, I think did, did you do that before they lost this game this weekend? And it was after. Okay, I was gonna say because I uh, the, this weekend was a big blow for me, and I, that might seem funny to some people, but I really thought they were gonna win this game and be six and six, and they would have been in the in the playoffs right now instead of Minnesota. So yeah, Matt Nagy's twenty five and twenty in his career. I think you have to let it be known that twelve of those were in his first year. Right. So in in a year and three quarters he's barely barely matched the production from his first year when they mm-hmm. caught that magic uh in my opinion i think they completely botched everything about the quarterback situation this year Which and obviously you, you can't say what would happen if they'd gone with Foles from the beginning or they didn't pull mitch and you you, right. you can't ask those things but i just think the way it was handled is just not good yeah and and more important than anything in the last three games you've gotten beat by every single north opponent yeah and Obviously, Mitch has actually looked okay in the last couple of weeks. I agree. It's just, it's hard because that season that they went 12-4 and was so good, and they beat a lot of really good teams, and obviously they're a double doink away from moving on in the playoffs and having a playoff victory. It's just, it's fascinating that so many very smart NFL people have said, how bad Mitch is to think that Matt Nagy coached him and that team to 12 wins. And that's that's why it's hard to be like, let's just move on from that guy. But especially in the last couple of weeks, how they've they were five and one. You know what I mean? They've lost six straight. That's that's a fireable offense. It really is. Yeah, I think it just kind of goes back to what you were saying about Lynn. Sometimes good people lose their jobs. Yeah. And, and again, he's a well liked guy too. There's going to be situations where there's just Fires that we are like, whoa! I didn't necessarily see that coming. I think this this could be it. I was gonna say that is the one that is the one that I would say watch out for. I and be. talking about players liking him, you're right. But there were some some pretty famous bears. Matt Forte, Lance Briggs came out, and yeah. they were just disgusted by yeah. the team. And I think obviously they don't work for the organization. Right. They don't have pull, but just things like that happening. And guys are losing a lot of most NFL fans are very passionate, but like. Bears fans are done with that, Nagy. They're over it. 
I mean, over it. Although I think that like there are Steeler fans that are probably like fire Mike Tomlin. So. Probably there are. <laughs> Regardless, you know who's a bad coach that I liked a lot? Who? Mark Tressman. Mark Tressman. Did you? You did? I did. I was like, look at this guy with his glasses. Jay Cutler and Matt Forte. Matt Forte was great. I did like Matt Forte a lot. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's let's dig into a little bit. We don't want to spend a lot of time on it because we are our show's running a little bit long right now. That's okay though. Because um, you missed me. I did miss you. I miss you every day. Oh. Uh, let's dig into these power rankings, okay? Uh, and we'll make it. We'll make it kind of short. Uh, I just want to ask two questions. One. Okay. I want you to know the one that you think that they nailed. You can't say Kansas City. Uh, and the one team that you think, how on earth are they ranked at this number? Okay. That's what I want. Sure. <laughs> Because I have one for both. Okay. <laughs> Wait, so you're going to give me the list? I mean, like, I can list it to you Or right I'm now. supposed to be like, I think something's at three and that's right? Here, I'll give you the top, I'll give you the top 15, and then you can say your answer. Because okay. my, my two are in the top 15. Okay. All right, so, it's, so from one on, Kansas City, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, Green Bay, Buffalo, Los Angeles Rams. I don't know why I needed to... Give that distinction. Uh, Seattle, Cleveland, Baltimore, Tampa Bay. That's the top 10. And then 11 to 15 is Indy, Tennessee, Las Vegas, Miami, Arizona. Um, so I don't – here we go. Josh being Josh. I don't necessarily agree with Cleveland being ranked ahead of some of those teams. I, I get okay. that they have a better record, but okay. right now I'd still take Indy over Cleveland. Okay. Um, I just, and obviously last week was phenomenal and they beat a team that I thought they should have lost to. And that's great. Will they do that consistently? Uh, that, okay. that's jury still out on that. Sure. Uh, where I feel like I like the veteran presence and leadership of Indy. More and Indy's, so. and Indy's beaten both Tennessee and Green Bay, two great wins. So, um, and then, a uh, team that I think is right. I I really like the Rams being six. Um, yes, they I, are six. I think you could make an argument, maybe that they could be top five. I mm-hmm. think it'd be it's debatable, not absolutely cemented, which I think is why they're six. I, right. I like that. So yeah. Uh, so I agree that Cleveland's a little iffy. Um, are I they would, eight? They're eight. So okay. it's not that crazy. I think um, it wasn't necessarily so much about them being eight, just some of the teams being behind them right, that I right. don't love. Well, the fact that Baltimore is right behind them, I think that, and obviously, like, at the end of both these, it's, they're playing each other next week, so we'll see what happens. Okay. So, obviously. Uh, the one that I'm most upset about is Miami. Okay. Miami's at 14, behind the Raiders. Um, I think they're very obviously a better team than the Raiders to me. Interesting. Uh, behind the Titans, I think they're very obviously better than the Titans. Okay. Um... Now I would have them at I would put them at ten, and you know that's obviously a bias against Tampa Bay for me, uh, <laughs> and I would still have them ahead of my preseason Super Bowl AFC person in the Colts. I would have them I would have them at ten. So Miami started one and three. Miami seven and one in their last eight games. Seven and one. They have been one of the best, if not the best team. The only other teams to be seven and one in that stretch, I believe, are Kansas City, 
Pittsburgh is obviously they just lost their own game. Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and Buffalo. Those are the only three teams to be seven and one in the last. Or obviously, oh, and the, well, the Saints are haven't lost. So they oh, so you're saying like very specifically they're eight, seven they're eight no, but so like they're they're one they've been one of the best teams in the NFL in the last eight weeks, and I just and again like they obviously have big matchups coming up, and Tua hasn't lit the world on fire, but he's been very good. Uh, I just I don't understand why they're at fourteen. Yeah, especially I against the Raiders. If you want to make an argument to me about Tennessee, I'll roll my eyes. But whatever. And if you want to make an argument to me about the Colts, I'll be like, okay. Uh, but like to have them behind the Raiders, a team who almost just lost to the Jets, I I just don't buy it. That's the one that I'm the most upset about. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. I get it. I think they obviously have an extremely good defense uh top three defense in the nfl according to points per game right now so Mm -hmm. playing that well i think it's just that uh and it depends on how you look at the game of football i guess uh it's just that they're winning in in three fashions and and you often hear like you need to win in all three phases and that's like Mm -hmm. a cliche but miami's doing it but you just don't know how sustainable it is and so i think you saw a game like Denver, where those three phases didn't necessarily culminate and they got pushed around. So I get it. I don't love it. Yeah. But I get it. So, and I, there was. I don't Wait. know. If, what? Don't throw Bill's love where it doesn't belong. What do you mean? They weren't 7 and 1 in the last eight, Mr. Oh, Rossi. Not. Oh, they're not. No. Are they 62? <laughs> I don't know. So they, well, so here's the thing is they, they're 5 and 1 in their last six. Be, because of the I, the whole story of the last two days has been, had they not uh, the Hail Murray, uh, had they not lost the Hail Murray, they would have been six and zero in their last six. That's been the whole thing. So I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. No, it's just really going back because right before like that great run happened, that was the the Titans and Chiefs. Oh, okay. So then, yeah. Um, but regardless, uh, I so this gives me a chance to really quick point out the uh, uh, the thing about the Jets game and the and the Raiders. So. A lot of people are talking about this play. So the same scenario that happens, uh, you know, need a t- trailing by at least a touchdown, um, like with a chance to either win or, or, or tie. Um, Hail Mary attempts since 2006. There have been 251 times that the same scenario that happened in the Jets Raiders have happened, okay? This was the only time out of 251 times that somebody did that somebody rushed six or more players the only time and that's how you won that's how the Raiders won and a lot of people are throwing a lot of shade at Greg Williams and that's fine you fired him whatever but like let's not pretend like this isn't who Greg Williams is I mean two years ago when he was with the Browns as the interim uh this happened in a game against the Broncos where he Zero blitz on a Hail Mary, and they and they sacked Case Keenum and won the game. It was like praising him for see how aggressive he is. Blah 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 blah. Um, but like, let's not pretend that's not who Greg Williams is. But you, that's how you beat the New York Jets, a, a winless team that does not instill any sort of confidence in me. And the the one stat that I wanted to point out that I found that it's, it's fascinating to me. The number one team in terms of blitz percentage is Miami. For they blitz forty one point two percent of the time. The number two team is New York Jets. 
at 40.5. And to me, I don't know how you feel about this, that signals to me coaching and personnel. A lot of people might look at that and think like, oh, see, look, it's just you're getting lucky because you're taking chances. But to me, this shows a vast uh, difference in coaching and personnel is that Miami blitzes that many times and they're a top five defense right now. And New York blitzes that many times and they're a bottom five defense right now. In fact, I think they're the worst. They're either the worst or 31 behind uh, the Cowboys. But then... That that's what it took for for Las Vegas to win, and that's why I think it's insane to me that Miami's not risen higher. But uh, power rankings, yeah, <laughs> just honestly can't really convince me that New York lost on purpose. So. Do you really believe that? I mean, like the reason obviously the defender wasn't like I'm gonna let him get by me, but I think the coaches and Greg Williams was like I'm going to let this be an achievable play. Well, and so the reason why I don't think that. Two. One, I said, let's not pretend like Greg Williams hasn't done this before. I mean, he, that makes sense. he does it all the time. It's who he is. Uh, and two, the way Marcus May responded in the press conference, where he was like, I can't believe that they called that, and like, I don't even want to run that play. I feel terrible for Lamar Jackson in the corner, who uh, got beat by rugs. Um, and I, I, so, and then obviously. Who's Marcus May? Marcus May is their safety. Oh. Yeah, he's a young safety. He's a, actually a pretty decent safety. But regardless. Uh, and then actually, a third one. The play before they let they played a zone in a prevent zone defense, and Nelson Aguilar got behind the defense. So maybe he was like, you know what? Even when I play prevent, they still beat us. We're that bad. I'm just gonna rush them and not even give them the chance. So again, like maybe not. You could be right. There could be a little bit of a sly dog in there, being like, whatever. If we lose, we lose. You know. Um, but I'm not. I don't think it's as egregious as a lot of people on social media have said it was. Uh, okay. <laughs> Regardless, uh, yeah, cool. That's what I have. Uh, so I have Pal's picks next. If unless you have, some, let's do some no huddle no, real quick. Yeah, uh, highlight some games real quick for yeah. you. So the Thursday night game tomorrow, a rematch of the Super Bowl a couple years ago, the oh, Pats yeah. at the Rams. Worst of all ever. It was, in my opinion, not great, but you loved it. I enjoyed it. Uh, so the Patriots have won four of their last five games after starting two and five. So you were talking about how they're not necessarily out of the playoff game. Need some not, things to happen, but they not. have been turning it around. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, to go along with that coaching, they have only committed 45 penalties this season. That is the fewest in the NFL. So not getting a lot of the laundry on the, on the field to move them backwards or forwards if they're on defense. Um... I thought this was super fascinating about the Rams before and after that Super Bowl loss. So in the 2017-2018 season, the Rams under McVay were 24-8. and They were averaging nearly 31.5 points per game, 130 yards rushing, and Goff had about 100 passer rating. Since then, though, they are 17-11, and averaging... 25 points per game, so nearly a whole touchdown less. 106 rushing yards per game. Uh, so obviously that can be attributed a little bit to, to Gurley's regression and getting rid of him and whatnot. And Goff has taken 10 points back on his passer rating. So this is, they're still a very good team. I said I like them at 8, but this is far from, from those McVay wonder years. And I just want to point out, and obviously we said that the Pats are not out of it. They have to win out to get it. But they, to me, have the hardest three-game stretch 
in the NFL coming up where Ooh. they're at LA for the Rams, at Miami for the Dolphins, and then Monday Night Football for the Bills. Oh, the Patriots. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that so, makes sense. So, I mean, it could happen, but it's a gauntlet. <laughs> Let's go to another game. The Broncos at the Panthers. Okay. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater has lost six straight. Yes. And I didn't really even realize that. Yeah, they were four and two at one point. It is the, it's tied for the second longest single season streak in Carolina history. Wow. So... Now, obviously, they're not an organization that's been around too, too long. It was 2004 or something Still, like that, that is a little bit shocking. How about this one? Drew Locke is the only quarterback with 10-plus interceptions and fewer than 10 passing touchdowns. I'm so annoyed with Drew Locke, man. Yeah. We, we, we loved that. We were so high on Denver coming in, and he just it's disappointing. It is disappointing. That's a conversation to have once we get to the offseason about Drew Locke. A little tidbit here. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, who, since I looked at this, has come out with another injury. He might not be back on the field. Oh, my God, He does have a shoulder injury that he's now dealing with. I think it's – no, he had the shoulder injury. I think it was a calf something about him, his calf tightening up. Um, But when he's been on the field this year, the Panthers are 0-3 in games that he's played in, and they're 4-5 in the games that they haven't had him. So, does that mean that? I don't know. But maybe we'll see him suit up. Maybe we won't. I don't know. Well, and if he doesn't suit up, then we're sunk for simultaneous. Hey, we have Mike Davis. We do have Mike Davis. Move on to the Saints at the Eagles. Obviously, we talked about the Saints having won nine straight games. That's the longest streak in the NFL right now. Could be a good thing. The Eagles have finally made that quarterback switch. They're going with Jalen Hurts. Uh, Rookies are one and Rookie quarterbacks, I should say, are one and six versus the Saints since 2016. Wow. So uh, Dennis Allen there knows how to rattle those rookie Dennis quarterbacks. Allen. I thought this one was fun. The Saints have allowed fewer than 17 points in five straight games. Wild. Which is the longest streak of doing such since the 91-92 season. On the flip side, though, the Eagles have scored 17 points or fewer in four straight. Well, so we'll, we'll see if the rookie can uh, go ahead and, and jumpstart that offense. He some flashes. Against this defense, it could be real hard to do. The last game to talk about real quick is that potential playoff game we're talking about. The Colts going out to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. So Derek Carr, MVP Carr, Carr. has... <laughs> Eight passing touchdowns and zero interceptions on his career against the Colts, which is his best ratio against any NFL opponent in his career. I hope so. On the flip side, Philip Rivers has the most wins with 18, the most passing yards, over 7,000, and the most passing touchdowns, 47, against the Raiders. For a second, I was like, wait, what? More so than any, (laughs) any quarterback in the Raiders' history. Chargers, in his tenure, did beat up on the Raiders a lot. So, kind of going along with that Philly River magic, the Raiders have scored... uh, Oh, no, sorry. This is speaking of Carr. The Raiders have scored 30-plus in four of their last five. The Colts, where we were talking about that defense earlier on the year, have allowed 30-plus in two of their last three. So, will this be MVP Carr? You know, listen, here's the thing. We're, we're, we're making fun of him. Uh, and, of course, for those of you who don't know, they did an MVP voting thing, and Derek Carr got one vote, and it was his brother, David Carr, and it just said Carr right next to it, so it was hysterical. But he is having a very good season. He is. And jokes aside, he's not, not even close to the MVP conversation, but he is having a very good season. 
I did find this extremely interesting, though, that the Raiders have three wins versus teams that are currently in the playoff picture, which is tied for the most among teams that are in that kind of situation, having beaten New Orleans, Kansas City, and Cleveland. So we're talking about maybe we don't know what team this is. Are they really that good? But three of their wins have been against teams that are currently in that playoff picture, which could be good if they get in and move forward and they can have some confidence. Well, uh, Buffalo has that too. So. Well, good. <laughs> They're great too. Um, th- this is why the Raiders are infuriating. And we talked about it. When they, when, after they beat the Chiefs, we said, are they finally going to be this team that's like a headliner? Or are they going to be a team that frustrates you one week and impresses you the next week? And that's what they've been all year. It's just, it doesn't make sense to me because Mike Mayock, the GM, has done such a great job building this roster. He's done a phenomenal job building talent everywhere across this roster. And John Gruden, for the most part, has been pretty good, too. It's just, why can't they be a headliner? I think that page is turning in the right direction. I don't know. It's fun. The Raiders are fun to watch, but... I don't know. Last thing I have about this game, talking about uh, our man, Philip Rivers, who obviously we're pretty big fans of. He Billy. thought he was going to lead the Colts to the Super Bowl. I did. Uh, after the first five games, we were pretty pretty iffy on the play of Philip Rivers, at least I was, uh, and rightfully so. In those first five games, he had four touchdowns and five picks, uh, averaging about 245 yards per game with a 90 passer rating. On uh, the last seven, though, he's thrown 14 touchdowns to only four picks, so limiting those turnovers, that's a huge deal for him. <laughs> Averaging nearly 50 yards more per game and has averaged 10 more quarterback points versus those that first month. So he, he's turned the page there and things are clicking, and the Colts being in the position they are right now definitely need that. My favorite comparison that I made on the show last week is that this Colts team reminds me a lot of the Pats dynasty. Oh, you have an older, you have an older quarterback who can go down the field if he's asked to, like if he needs to. But it's quick passes to, you know, lesser talent on the outside, but talent, some talent. They've got three great tight ends, three very good running backs, and a very good defense. I mean, it, 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 it's very reminiscent of that to me. Interesting. So we'll see what happens. In, I mean, that's a, that's a reason why I picked them in preseason. Uh, I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to change my pick just because I want to be able to say that I picked them in the preseason if it happens. Um, but they remind me of that a lot. I like it. All right. That is all I have for No Huddle. Okay, so it's time for Pals Picks. Oh, yeah. It just wasn't the same last week. Well, I mean, maybe you need to do it more often without me because you crushed it, man. You absolutely crushed it. I did actually do I great. 3-0. You went 3-0. I went 0-3. Oh, wow. Never going to pick while I'm in the middle of making cakes again. <laughs> Next time you text me at work, be like, hang on. Let me, let me sit down and think. No, I felt good about most of my picks. I felt really good about the Titans and Bears pick. I, yeah. I, I felt good about the Bears pick, too. I felt a little... What was the other one? I did pick the Chargers over the Pats, which obviously okay. was super awful, but I thought going out to L.A., I, I liked them being at home and everything, yeah. and it was just a like snap judgment, probably yeah. sitting back and thinking about it more. I maybe would have picked differently. Who's a lot say, of people picked the Chargers, so I don't think it was that crazy. But now we are in week 14, and the dreaded has happened because you've officially caught up, so yeah. pretty much just concede oh, and take my ass. 21 so. and 18. Oh, that's so exciting. 
<laughs> so there we have it. I'll give you the games first. Okay. Uh, so the first game for you to pick is that game we were talking about earlier for a hot second, the Broncos taking on the Panthers. Yeah, and we we mentioned Drew Lock a little bit. Uh, we also mentioned the Panthers. I'm kind of annoyed that you just Christian McCaffrey got hurt again because this would be so easy for me to be like, Nick's going to be the Panthers. Uh, but it's still going to be the Panthers for me. Uh, they're at home, and I just don't believe in Drew Lock. I just oh, don't. Right. I just don't. And uh, obviously, the Panthers are kind of an inconsistent team. We just said they lost six straight games. They started four and two. Their defense has looked a little bit better. Obviously, they had that shutout. Uh, against the Lions, which was very impressive. And obviously the Broncos caused the Chiefs a little trouble with their defensive effort. But I just, I believe in Teddy Bridgewater way more than I believe in, in Drew Locke, and that's why I'm going to pick the, the Panthers. All righty, all righty. Let's yeah. go on to the second game, the Arizona Cardinals traveling to take on the Giants. What a fun game. Two teams in vastly different different directions. I'm going to pull up the Cardinals real quick because I want to see, like, because they've lost a couple now. They've lost one, two, three in a row, and the Giants have won four in a row. So they're going in totally different directions. Do we have an update on Daniel Jones, or do you not have any clue? Uh, I don't. I'm very, I'm very curious to see how that happens. Obviously, like they've been running the ball very good. Bruce Wayne Goldman's been awesome. Uh, Alfred Morris had two touchdowns in the game, which was a lot of fun. He's been on the league for a while. Hated that. I know. I was very annoyed because I didn't Wayne Goldman, but I ended up losing anyway and missing the playoffs, so it's fine. A little um, update. New York is optimistic. Okay. That's the quote that Daniel Jones will if, play. If Daniel Jones plays, I'm very confident that the Giants will win this game if he plays. If he doesn't play, I feel like I would pick Arizona. So if I'm picking right now, because I am, and we don't ever do this, we don't do the whole if he plays thing because I don't like that. So if I'm forced to pick right now, I don't think Daniel Jones plays, so I'm going to pick Arizona. All right. Uh, but if they play, I feel optimistic. If, if Daniel Jones plays, then I think I'm wrong on that, but I'm still going to pick Cardinals. All right, right I now. like it. And then go to that second playoff game we were talking about Monday night. The oh, Baltimore man. Ravens take on the Cleveland Browns. I feel like this is uh, – I've, I've, I've expertly avoided Browns picks for a little while here because <laughs> uh, I, I stayed it. Although, obviously, like I picked the Browns last week and I would have looked smart – but I don't like this game. I don't like picking this game. I shouldn't say I don't like this game because I think it's going to be so much fun. Uh, I'm going to pick the Browns. I'm going to clo- close my eyes. I'm going to bite the bullet, and I'm going to pick the Browns. I'm going to stick with the team that I've been on for most of the season that I just – I I, yeah, I don't want to talk about it too much, but I will say something that's very impressive about the Browns, uh, next-gen stats according to them, 80% of their past – uh, they were sorry. They won eighty percent of their pass blocks on Sunday, and it was the best all week. So their offensive line is really coming together to give Baker that time, and when Baker has time, he can deal. And I think that it's a great matchup between that front seven of the Ravens, who's very good, and the offensive line of the Browns, who's also very good. All right. So, It'll be super fascinating. Yep. All right, so I'm going to go two home teams, the Panthers over the Broncos, Browns over the Ravens, gulp. And I almost went with the other home team, the Giants, but I'm going to pick the Cardinals, close my eyes, and throw the dart. Uh, I just refuse to believe that they're going to lose four straight. I just I feel like they have to come up. But if Daniel Jones plays, I'm probably wrong. Uh, um, all right, so 21. One thing to say. What? I know, I'm, I'm, I'm insane. We know this. It's fine. 
No, no, I'm just what? saying what a what a thing that we're in week 14 of the 2020. It's like if Daniel Jones plays the Giants win. My favorite thing we've said all year. <laughs> uh, regardless, so 21 to 18, 21 to 18, we're tied. You gotta gotta get ahead of me here. Uh, it was looking very good for you to break it, the streak of yeah. house picks on the season, but here we go. Vikings at the Buccaneers, one of those playoff matchups. This one, I think, is the easiest, in my opinion, okay. to pick. I don't believe the Minnesota Vikings are a playoff team. Okay. I don't think they're Fair going enough. to keep that number seven seed. Okay. Uh, I think the Bucks are coming off their late bye week, had some time to get healthy, had some time to game plan this. This is a ferocious front to run against. I think if you slow down Dalvin Cook two weeks in a row, you're not going to get two great weeks of Kirk Cousins. So I'm picking the Buccaneers. And and, and absolutely could not have been a more fortuitous placement of a bye week for a team coming off. They've been one in three in their last four games. And it's, it's been right. They almost lost to the Panthers for a second. They're obviously Tom Turner, but like, one and three could not be a better place for a bye week for a team. Yeah. I usually hate that late bye week this, this late, but I, well said. Uh, all right, and then we go Washington at the 49ers. One of uh, this is one of the more fun games of the of the of this week for me because obviously the Giants who've won three or the the Washington football team have won three straight, and the 49ers are reeling a little bit here. They were they they were looking really good for for a while there, and obviously they took that big win off their bye week against the Rams, and we were all like, all right, here we go. This is going to be their push. Um, what do, we, what do we think about this game? They're playing it again in Arizona, not in the 49ers. Right. I mean, they are not in Santa Clara, um, but they're obviously pretty pretty darn comfortable there in Arizona and everything. I am going to go with the Washington football team. Okay. This one, this one is, is a dice roll for me, but I, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Washington. I think they're a pretty difficult team to run on, obviously, and that is the 49ers bread and butter. If they can slow that down, then you're going to force Nick Mullins, who is a good passer, to pass the football. But I think Washington's defense is also pretty difficult to throw against, and if they can limit that, I think this is going to be maybe not a return to home, but this is the revenge game for Alex (laughs) Smith. He's going to go back there and be like, maybe you shouldn't have gotten rid of me. Uh, he's the the comeback kid this year, and I think he's going to continue to show why in this game. All right, and the last game, Atlanta versus L.A. I literally just picked this game because I was like, I have no clue. Just flip a coin. <laughs> yeah, and, and it truly is flip a coin. Uh, I am going to go with the Atlanta Falcons, okay. though. Okay. I like them as a team more than I like the Chargers right now. Just as a whole, I trust Matty Wheels. Um, a little bit more than hairless Justin right now. So I'm going to go with that. Uh, we saw a couple weeks ago the Atlanta defense look really, really great. Not so great last week against the Saints, but I think they can rebound here. Um, and so I'm going to go with the Falcons. So they went. They started 0-5 under Dan Quinn. They've been 4-3 uh, with Raheem Morris and with a close game against the Saints, obviously, last week, and a tight game against the Lions as well. So they've been playing really very good football uh, under Raheem Morris. So so obviously he's fighting to be the head coach. So we'll see. Uh, to recap, Josh Willing, two away teams, Washington against the 49ers, Atlanta against the Chargers, and then the Bucks at home against the Vikings. I'm curious, just to get your thoughts real quick, what, what would you pick between the Giants and the, and the Cardinals? 
Uh, I would pick the Giants. Okay, okay. I was, was going to say because obviously we have our soda bet, uh, and you said the Giants would win the division, and I said Washington. So obviously I if think they, if they both win, they'll be six and seven. I, I won't go too into this, but mm-hmm. talking about Daniel Jones, it, but Kyler Murray just hasn't looked right. Yes, uh, the, the, the strength of New York, in my opinion, is their defense. They rattle Russell Wilson all oh, day. Yeah. And so you can talk about Kyler's scramble ability. Maybe Blake Martinez isn't great at causing sacks and getting turnover plays, mm-hmm. impact plays in that way. Yeah. A reason he's not in Green Bay anymore. But I think once Kyler gets around that line of scrimmage, Martinez will be there and we'll be able to limit him. Okay. Yeah. All, All right. right. So let's just do, let's skip cold reads for, unless you have one that you really like. Uh, the only, I, I have one that we'll talk about sure, just really it. quickly. Yeah, uh, we we hinted at it for a quick second, but we didn't talk about the pretty big news of Carson Wentz being benched in yeah. favor of Jalen yeah. Hurts. And obviously, Wentz has had a really, really rough year. He's in the bottom half in a ton of quarterback stats right. overall, third down percentages versus right. man coverage, zone coverage, one sure. play action, just bottom of everything. Yeah. The rookie did out of spark against Green Bay, <laughs> but also didn't. Played the lights out. He was 5 of 12 or 110 yards, a touchdown interception, a mm-hmm. sack. So similar issues that Carson yeah. was facing. Uh, do you feel like this is the right move? And how how do you respond as an organization of having this $100 million plus backup? Yeah, I think, I think at this point, I think at this point, uh, they're not going to win the division. It's pretty much over for that, especially with the two upsets of, of New York and Washington. It's going to be one of them. I just think at this point, it's very much like let's just see what we have in Jalen. You know what I mean? It's just been it's just been so bad for Carson. It's like let's just see it. You know what I mean? Let's see a little bit of what we have in these four game sample here, uh, and see what can happen going forward. I think I don't think that I I don't believe Carson Wentz is broken beyond repair. He was too good that year, where I thought he still should want to be, even though he was out for a couple end of the games, and they gave it to Tom Brady and whatever. Um, we've seen that high from him before. I don't believe that's a fluke. So I I, I don't think he's broken beyond repair. I just don't know if Philly's going to be it. Uh, a lot of people have said that maybe he goes to Indy and reacts with Frank Reich, which would be very interesting. Um, obviously, they're tied to this contract. It's a horrible position for Philly fans to be in. But the one comment I just want to make is it blows my mind that we were like Philly versus Dallas. Philly versus Dallas. Who's going to do it? And they're both sitting right at the bottom, and now we're all about New York and Washington. It's amazing. Football forever. <laughs> Amen. There we go. Cool. All right. Well, that was fine. All right. That we so, definitely needed to talk about that. Yeah, no, absolutely, for sure. I, I tried. I got in some of the topics about what I was going to do for Cold Reads. So uh, let's just do a quick fantasy fanatics here. Josh and I dropped a really heartbreaking loss in Silent Catch League last week. Lost by less than a point. Uh, we needed, like, a little bit from Jordan Reed at the very end. I said, if we catch just like a, a 10 to 15 yard <laughs> touchdown, we'll win. It was under 10 yards, the touchdown. We lost by less than a point. Now we're six and seven on a, on a skid here, but we're not out of it because the, in Yahoo, it's the top four teams. The number three and four team, we've both beaten, and they're seven and six. Uh, we need to win our week. We're playing the worst team in the league this week. And we need one or both of them to lose, and we would get in. So, it's possible. 
it's possible. But we, we're going to probably not have Antonio Gibson. And we'll probably not have Christian McCaffrey as well. But we do have Mike Davis. So so we'll see what happens here. But uh, do you have a fantasy player of the week? I do have a fantasy player of the week. It's going to be going against one of those teams I just picked. But I am all about Keenan Allen this week. Okay. Uh, he's had double-digit targets in six out of the last seven weeks. Last week was the first week since week eight that he's been held without a touchdown. I think they're embarrassed, they're angry, they're going to come out, and they're going to force-feed Keenan Allen the football. So I'm feeling, if you have Keenan Allen, you're feeling pretty darn good about about this matchup against Atlanta. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I was going to be really, really stupid and just be like, play Aaron Jones because Detroit's the worst rushing defense in the NFL, and he's going to crush it. But we'll go a little bit different here, a player that everybody's been... Uh, frustrated with for a lot of the year, Jonathan Taylor, Indianapolis Colts. I'm going with them. I love the matchup against Las Vegas. Uh, They're 29th against fantasy running backs. Jonathan Taylor last week had 13 carries for 91 yards. He also had three catches for 44 and a touchdown. Had a very good fantasy day in a PPR league. He was 22 and a half points. Uh, I think he's a great player this week. Uh, I'm playing actually. No, I am playing him this week, but I the two teams that I have him in that are in the playoffs, I have a bye in those two leagues, so I'm not like really playing him. Uh, but I think that if you're worried about that indie backfield and you have Jonathan Taylor, I think you feel confident in playing him. Okay, okay. So that's my fantasy fanatics. There we go. All righty. Um, so... Do you want to do tidbits? Do we do tidbits before Friends Fortune or after Friends Fortune? Uh, we typically do it after. All right, so... Ready for Friends Fortune? I'm ready. All right, I'm going to walk off because you gotta you got to respond to my victory. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. It feels good to be back with you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm going to say for my Friends Fortune this week that uh, those teams we've been talking about all afternoon, the Washington football team and the New York football Giants will both win their games. That is the way I'm feeling. But both games will be by one will be one score games so it will not be greater than eight point victories for those two respective teams all right you still get in the closet sometimes all right we got on the board last week friends we got our first friends fortune i believe josh is two and a half one and a half this season or this is half in there so let's go two for two right now the Pittsburgh Steelers have tied the NFL record with 69 straight games with a sack. Yeah, three sacks against Alex Smith and the Washington football team last week, and this week they play the Buffalo Bills. So, second straight week we're going with the Bills pick. Second straight week we're going to get it. Week we're going to get it. The Buffalo Bills will break the streak. Okay, they're not going to give up a single sack against. Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday Night Football, breaking the streak. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that was Friends Fortune. Why do you always scream your Friends Fortune? Did I really say that loud? I mean, I don't know what you said, but I do know it has to do with Sunday Night Football. It does. Uh, so, I changed it a little bit because when I listen to the episodes and when we play the thing, sometimes our, I, I'm like worried about the voices being too low. So, I'm trying to elevate a little bit. I do like the aspect of like, ooh, it's a secret. It's a secret. I like that. <laughs> uh, part, of me, part, of me is, part of me is like, oh, we got to, uh, uh, I don't know. That's regardless. I mean, I was also being silly. I've seen it here at all. But. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, 
Uh, do you have any tidbits? I have one tidbit okay. uh, that I was doing the research into the Green Bay Detroit game, but this is the only fun thing that I found, so I didn't want to make it its own low huddle thing. Okay. So cool. comparing the wide receivers, so Devonte Adams has ten plus targets on seven different routes run Crazy. this year. So he's all over the field doing all, all right. sorts of things and getting lots of production, which obviously we know. But this one I found super fascinating. So entering this week, Danny Amendola has the most receiving yards of any wide receiver that doesn't have a touchdown catch this year. I thought wow. that was super interesting. Danny Amendola lost me a league. Oh, Danny. Regardless, uh, I have two little tidbits about the San Francisco-Buffalo game. Uh, just giving context going forward. There's going to be a lot of conversation this offseason about Jimmy Garoppolo and his future, but San Francisco is still 22-8 and with him as a starter and 5-4. and 14 without him. I know we've talked a lot about wins are not a quarterback stat, but obviously the quarterback matters when talking about wins. Because when you don't have one, you're not good, and when you do have one, you can be better. Interesting. So, I feel about that. And then I want to point out, oh, you, like, you don't know how you feel about that. Like, Yeah, like I also, I mean, just like the stat where it showed on Sunday? Monday. Monday, Monday night yeah. where like Shanahan is like, one in 18 if he's trailing by a touchdown right. or something like right. that's pretty bad too it's so. bad uh and, and then i want to make a point about buffalo the much maligned defense uh has been playing very good in the last couple of weeks uh we'll see this matchup with pittsburgh uh the thing that people always harp on is the rush defense which has been pretty bad at times this year but buffalo allowed 44 rushing yards on the first drive against the 49ers they only ended up allowing 80 it was 80 it's it's like 85 or 84 total rushing yards in the game okay so they gave up a ton of that first drive locked in and were great the rest of the way they gave up a lot of passing yards because we were dropping back like we were inviting them to throw and just trying to stop them obviously but been playing a lot better so far in the last couple of weeks and we're going to learn a lot about them this week on sunday night football be a real fun game those are my two tidbits any shout outs for today my friend uh negative Shout out to you, my man. Should be very proud of it. It's been a hard year for all of us. Uh, we're winding down here. We'll have some fun stuff for Christmas on Simultaneous Catch and New Year's. We always have a couple of punny segments that you always rise at, but I have fun with. Uh, but it's been a hard year for all of us, and I just I hope that you are very proud of yourself because I'm very proud of you. Ah, uh, thanks, buddy. That means a lot. I appreciate that. I appreciate uh, your friendship and support through the year from. From crazy stuff that happened uh, medically to Absolutely. continuing school to all the in-betweens. This has so. been such a crazy year, but we, we hope that you're all staying safe. Uh, we hope you're all enjoying football as much as we are. It's going to be crazy week 14. We're looking forward to it. Uh, Josh will be here next week uh, for week 15. He'll have his solo episode. And we'll be back in better than ever the week of Christmas to talk about the last couple of weeks in the NFL. So... Yeah, anything else? No, I am feeling pretty darn good about the return, so. All right, stay Stay safe, safe, everybody. everybody. God God bless. bless. Everybody enjoy football.